Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Coach Lee Hopkins. Coach Lee, how you doing? I'm doing great, uh, Tim. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. We're happy to have you on the show, and we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Oh, man, uh, that that first question just kind of threw me off. I mean, it's only the first question. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> but I, I say that in, in jest because um, a little bit more about me is that I'm a person who helps people make friendships. I'm a friendship coach. So I'm a trans man, and I've come through this experience of um, being lonely that I've come out on the other side with helping people make friendships. And that one question, what do you like to do for fun, was the most difficult question I could ever answer because I had no awareness of who I was and what I wanted in my life. So when you asked me that question, I was just like thrown back into that lifetime where I had no friends and I was lonely because what I did for fun was basically drink and watch Netflix. And so I can tell you today though, I have a whole different answer for you. I love board games, especially the social deduction kind of games where we're talking and we're connecting with each other and we're trying to figure out who's the assassin or whatnot. But I love those kind of games. Do you play Avalon? I have not played Avalon. Have you played Secret Hitler? Yes, I have played Secret Hitler. Um, Werewolf is one of my favorites. I love games like that. So Avalon is a new one I should probably add to my list, huh? You really need to add that one to your list. (laughs) I think it is... um... I played Secret Hitler and I'm a, like, I love playing Avalon. It is so fun. And it's a social deception game, kind of like there's, um, it's based on King Arthur and that kind of lore. And hmm. so there's like Merlin, there's Mordred, there's Morgana, and you have good guys and bad guys. And some good guys have special powers, some bad guys have special powers. And it's all figuring out like who's secretly communicating with who and who failed the quest and all that good stuff. So I love it. That sounds like a lot of fun. I enjoy that. So it's like a team kind of co-op-y thing. Yes. Yes. And it is so much fun. I get with some people who have played it before, but aren't too experienced because I feel like too experienced can ruin the experience for you. But if they played it before, they know how fun it is because you need the right energy. Like I don't like when people try to play the game with me and they don't bring the right energy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, well, for for example, Secret Hitler, I played with different groups of people, and I played with a group of people who were really into it, and the spirit of the game were just kind of making things pretty confusing, but iffy, and this and that, and that's how it's supposed to feel, like, you're supposed to try and figure it out, but then I played with a group of people who were honest, just so honest, and I was like, <laughs> you're the worst, <laughs> You're the worst. You're not supposed to tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I feel that. So social deception game. Sorry I interrupted you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that it was the best. Yeah. So that's what I like to do for fun. Basically, that is the big thing. Board games and especially the social deception, deception or deduction games. Yeah, there we go. All right. Board games. Well, tell us a little bit more about that time in your life when you were 
So first, like when you made the transition, because that's what happened, right? It's like, that's what, correct me if I'm wrong, but trans oh. means. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I transitioned from female to male. So that was my transition. And it happened way after the loneliness thing. So I'll share the story. So it makes makes sense here. I'm just like out the gate. I'm trans. Hey, (laughs) it's it's not like it's not the most important part of my story. It's not. What is important is that I grew up in a small town in Ohio and I felt really disconnected. I felt really lonely, but I understood that you have to find your tribe. That's what the buzzword was that was what the thing to do was is well these people just aren't my speed or I'm just not connected with them maybe they can all find friendships in each other but I just couldn't do it so when I thought that um it was all about finding a tribe I then had the opportunity to move to college I went to college had opportunity to meet new people from different cultures backgrounds histories all that cool stuff and I thought that I would make connection there I'd find people there and I did find a few nice connections and you find nice people there but I felt lonely I still felt very lonely so again I had the idea that I have to find my tribe I have to go find the right people so I have an opportunity to leave Ohio I figured the entire state of Ohio is messed up I have to leave I'm going to California so I moved to California and there I felt a little more comfortable with being myself because in Ohio a little caveat is that I'm presenting as female And I'm also dating women. So essentially I'm a lesbian and I felt uncomfortable sharing that with people. I felt scared about sharing that This before legal marriage and and all that stuff. So it was taboo. So I felt like I couldn't be myself there and moving to California would make it easier for me to be myself because it was a more progressive blue state. And I did find more people to be, be connected to there. I was able to have a girlfriend and be out and I was still lonely still lonely. I mean, I had groups of people that I would do karaoke with because I got into karaoke. I loved it. And I people really knew me to give me high fives. Bartenders knew my drinks and stuff like that. But I still felt lonely and disconnected. So I thought, well, maybe I have to leave and find the right people. And so again, I moved. I had an opportunity to move from California to Chicago, where I am now. And this is where I made the transition from female to male. Because in California, I felt like I couldn't share that I wanted to transition with those people. So I had to move. Uh-huh. And around that time, um, Caitlyn Jenner was coming out. And when I landed in Chicago, I met the right group of queer people to help me through my transition. They gave me the language. They helped me figure out the legal things and, and everything else that was in between. And I also had a job that would help me physically transition because uh, I've been working for them long enough. So was part of that. So I, I was in the right place at the, the right time. All the things seemed to be aligned for me in the universe, but I was still so lonely because there was something that I was hiding from the people that, the queer people that I was connected to. And I, and I also wanted to hide the fact that I was trans from people. So it was just the worst thing. So I just felt lonely upon lonely upon loneliness. And the, the key here is that I kept hiding something. I kept finding something to hide whatever it was. So if I reflect back in Ohio, I was hiding the lesbian thing. And I reflect in California, I was hiding the fact that I wanted to transition. And then when I come to Chicago and actually do all the things, I have the money to make the transition. I was hiding the fact that I did transition because if you're walking down the street, you wouldn't be able to notice that. And so I was facing rejection here and rejection there from myself. And so that was the biggest key. And what I I shared that transition 
part, the transgender part is because at some point in time, many of us have thought that if I just do this, things will be different. Things will be better. And I did that. I did this. I did that. I looked forward to the future and I thought it'll be better. It'll be better. When I transition from female to male, it will be better. I will make friends. And that didn't happen. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't want to transition. I want to change back. Those aren't words that I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I didn't get the expected results. I'm very happy with what I've done, but I didn't get the expected results. There was still some more work to do. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And so I'm hearing you pair loneliness with kind of inauthenticity or hiding. So talk to us more about that. Absolutely. That is the thing. It's like being inauthentic will make you a lonely, lonely person because you are not being able to live your truth, which means you feel like conflicted all the time. You feel like no one understands you. There's this desperation that I had for someone to please understand me, please understand me, but I wouldn't share with them what my truth was. I wouldn't be authentic with them. And that's partly because I had no idea what that authenticity was. I had no idea what it was to be myself. Like answering that question, what do you like to do for fun? I don't know, drink and watch Netflix, maybe play Candy Crush. That's what I did for fun. And that's not a way to really make a connection. When people really want to make a connection with you, there are other things that you need to know about yourself in order to give them something to connect with. So that lack of awareness of who I was and what I wanted in life and where I was going, even though I was going from this place to place to place, I was just kind of letting life float me there, essentially. And so not knowing those things just makes you pretty lonely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that you are um, just aware of kind of like what was at the core of that loneliness. Cause I feel like when one is inauthentic, it's almost as if you're abandoning yourself. And so it's not that um, not only are kind of the people around you, do they not know you, but you're not even allowing yourself to accept you. And so it's like, there's literally nobody. Yes, exactly. And that's how I felt too. It's like, nobody knew me, but I didn't even know myself. Like people like, well, you do for fun. I, I can go back to that question so many times, but like, I don't know. I don't know. What is it? What's important to you? I don't know. Where do you see yourself in five years? I don't know. I can't even picture what I'm doing next week. I don't have a plan. I just show up when I show up and I do things when I do things, but that's, that's, that's who you are in the moment, but it's not an awareness of what you want and where you're going. And um, I discovered that creating boundaries will help you figure out more of who you are. And I want to push a narrative to the world. This is my, my agenda. My goal, my dream is to push this narrative to the world that boundaries aren't about saying no and setting limits to other people's behavior, but they are about saying yes to yourself and understanding more about who you are, like saying yes to who I am and yes to what I want. I think boundaries are, are, mechanisms that can kind of identify how you might behave in a specific situation. Like if you identify as uh, a person who likes ice cream, then you're likely to maybe eat ice cream or go for ice cream or something like that. And I know it's a weird boundary to say, but it is who you are. If you, a person who eats ice cream, that's just, that's just all it is. And if you said that, I say it's a boundary because some people bump into it and it's not like you're doing anything. It's just that it is who you are. So if I said that in a group of people who are, um, 
I don't know, lactose intolerant or something, they may feel some kind of way about it. Just bumped into it. I don't know. But that's a really benign example, but there are more extreme examples. And diet is a really easy one to, to point at. Like if you're a vegan and you're, you say that to someone who's a meat eater, you're not saying anything against them. You're just identifying this is who you are. And this is your attitude towards what you're likely to do when there's meat around, probably not eat. It's, it's, it's just you. It's not offense to them. It's not asserting any kind of boundary. It's just saying, this is what my behavior is going to be. Yeah, I love that. I love the shifting the focus of yes to yourself, not no to others. And I think it goes hand in hand with people pleasing. Absolutely. A lot of people say no to themselves and yes to others in search of that affirmation because they want others to tell them who they are, which is something I ran into a lot. Like I was playing football. I was um, doing all the perfect things that I was supposed to do. And boy, did I hate my life, like suicidal ideation, 24 <laughs> seven type of vibes. Hmm. And eventually I was like, I got to be authentic. I got to be me. And it's been a work in progress since then. But I started saying yes to myself. And that's the commitment I made to myself upon leaving college. I was like, I will say yes to myself. I don't care what has to be sacrificed. And that's when boundaries just start getting set. And people tend to respect them for the most part. Sometimes you got to put your foot down. But for the most Absolutely. part. Absolutely. Wow. You know, that's see, that's a similar, a similar story. It feels similar to me because as a people pleaser or as a person who doesn't know myself, I was definitely looking for somebody else to tell me that people pleasing. If I do this for you, then you'll affirm that what I'm feeling is good and this is good for me and this is who I am, right? Mm -hmm. mm. Yep, yep. I think it's something a lot of people struggle with. But um, before we jump more into your dreams and goals, tell us about your motivation. What gets you up and gets you going every day? Oh, man, I found that... Um, yeah, <laughs> all the things. <laughs> I found that being connected with people is the most amazing thing ever. Like after being so lonely and feeling so desolate and so lost, I find that meeting people and sharing something about myself with them or learning something new about them, this, this connection that I've been looking for most of my life, when I find that, it gives me drive to continue doing it, not only for myself, but helping other people feel that connection as well. So I get up because I love the feel of community. I love the feel of more sense of self and discovery of who I am and help people do that for themselves. Gotcha. I noticed you used the word community. Just real quick, what do you think is the most important aspect of a community? Understanding. Understanding. Yeah, understanding. Um, I like understanding a whole lot, but yeah, yeah, because I was going to say if there's a shared goal, there's a shared goal between the the, the group of people, then there's community, but you can always find connection. If you just make it a goal to understand someone there's understand their opinions, understand their thoughts, understand their history. Um, you can always find connection and community in that. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Now we're going to jump into your dreams and goals. And we already talked about pushing the narrative that boundaries are about saying yes to yourself. And it's not about saying no to others. Are there any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about? Oh, about making um, the idea of self-discovery a really paramount and most important thing in the world. So I'm pushing that narrative for people to discover themselves a little more. And the COVID has already helped me get closer to that, where people are really looking at themselves and thinking, ooh, do I like me? And helping them look around and think, ooh, do I like them? 
people <laughs> around them. So giving them a, a sense of, of, of calm because everything is so noisy. There's so much happening that keeps us busy. It keeps us moving. So a sense of stability, a sense of calm, a sense of, I don't need to get up and do something. I just am. And here's what I'd like to do if I decide to use my energy, not because I have to, but because, wow, this is important to me and I want to, it's fulfilling and it feels good. I want to help people know more about that, discover more about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so walk us through what that looks like on a daily level, like from day zero of, I don't know myself. Mm -hmm. to kind of now your day 1000 in the journey what did your day-to-day look like of getting to know yourself well it's all about that buzzword mindfulness being mindful about things and that and it, it is truly truly the really small things that you do that you recognize like one time um i was driving to work i wasn't actually I wasn't even supposed to be driving to work. I got into my car. I was just on automatic pilot mode. I got into my car without thinking. I knew I was supposed to go to the grocery store or something local, but I got into my car. I got on the highway and I was heading to work on a Saturday. And I was like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Where was I supposed to go? You know, that kind of automatic behavior happens. Now that's a grand example but it happens for regular things that we do on a daily basis that don't allow us to know ourselves. It's this mindfulness that'll help us get the option to choose to know who we are. Like, I wanna do this, I'm not just driven to, but I wanna do that instead of just, just automatically hitting that button. Like, so mindfulness would look like deciding whether you're going to answer a text message or pick up your phone, look at your phone when it lights up. Mindfulness looks like noticing which hand you brush your tooth, brush your teeth with, just noticing what hand you pick up your glass with the small, small things, small things about your life. So you can recognize like, okay, well, the big routines that you have, are they automatic? Do they automatically happen? Mindfulness looks like I'm consciously making my left turn this time. I'm, I like to narrate for myself when when i first started of course i like to narrate myself so i'm picking up my right hand and i'm brushing my teeth yeah i'm just doing that yeah and so becoming mindful of those what will help you do is figure out how you feel in situations later on down the road so it gets bigger and bigger things that you're mindful of are your emotions you get mindful of your emotions so this is just a benign emotion you're just like eh, you don't feel anything by it but when you have these bigger emotions being mindful will help you make a choice, make a choice of that emotion. So it starts really small and it's a practice of continuing to do it every day to be mindful. of I'm feeling angry now. This is anger coming up. What do I do? Instead of anger, right to fighting, anger, right to yelling. You get a moment to, to pause. Yeah, I think that moment is key. It's talked about in so, so many books. I can just a couple the power of now and the seven habits of highly effective people. There's just mm-hmm. like being like knowing or recognizing or observing your thoughts and yeah. observing that kind of moment that you have to choose. And when I, I used to, I'm sure a lot of people think this, I hope I wasn't the only one. Actually, I hope I was the only one, but <laughs> I doubt I was. Of just like, if a thought pops into my head, that means that's who I am. 
Mm-hmm. And it was a really weird thing because I would always feel really guilty for like a lustful thought when I had a girlfriend. And, you know, maybe you can still feel guilty about that. Maybe you don't, but you can realize that just because you had that lustful thought, that doesn't mean that you have to identify with that lustful thought. Another, Absolutely. another like, extreme examples like if you have a sudden like intrusive thought to drive off the road you don't have to identify with that like intrusive kind of suicidal thought if that makes sense and so absolutely i i just thought that was so like tony robbins said that for me of like your thoughts aren't your own you don't have to choose to believe every single thought that pops into your head if we all did that we'd be insane and so absolutely absolutely there would be a lot of people who would be suffering a lot more because i mean driving off the road how many how many meetings have you ever been in or just speaking as a professional um been in where you were just like i just want to stab you in the eye i'm I'm, (laughs) I'm gonna take my pencil because i'm tired of this conversation ah but you stick it out you don't identify with that you still do the work and you still be the person that you feel like you want to be you don't have to identify with that thought Yes, yes, exactly. I just think it's such a powerful thing. And that's what mindfulness is. It's seeing your thoughts, seeing your actions, like seeing um, you. (laughs) Absolutely. So I think that's really cool. Well, awesome. Any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about before we move on? Uh, No, those are the big ones. Those are good ones. Yeah. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, if there were one or two people that you could meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take the next step towards your dreams and goals of making kind of self-discovery be on a pedestal and pushing the narrative that boundaries are about saying yes to yourself, who would this person be and how would they help you out? Wow. I love that question. Who would this person be and how would they help me out? Well, this person would probably be, um, I, can't, I don't know why his name is escaping me or how to say it, but he, he passed recently, a famous Buddhist monk, non, no. I'm not sure. Ah, darn. But, okay, so let's say, hmm, the famous Buddhist monk who passed recently, I think it was in April, non, Chit Han or something? Yes. I don't know That's, if that was right, but. That's kind of what came up on Google. So I've never read any of his works. I've just seen quotes about his things. And I've seen TikToks about some things that he said about connecting with people. And I think that is really brilliant and interesting. Um, I think that beyond the connection, there's more spiritual things that are happening, that people have a better understanding of what they are. And I think he'd be one of those people that helped me have a better understanding of the spiritual sense of the world. And with that, I would be enlightened more so uh, by having a conversation with them about what I could do, what I could be better to reach this point of connection with other people. So I think that they would give me interesting insights into who I am, because at the end of the day, all we're looking for, or what I'm looking for, are people who can help me become better by telling me about myself. So I trust that he has an awareness of himself and how he shows up in the world. And I have a bit of awareness about how I am and how I show up in the world. But I know that I cannot see everything about me. Many people can pick up on some things that I can't see. 
And I respect that he would reflect that back to me and tell me, Lee, this is how you might be feeling in this situation. If I describe a situation to him, something that I hadn't seen before, a different angle, a different point of view to get to know myself a little more from someone else's point of view. You see, I think that people who don't have the awareness of who they are, they won't be so much help to me because they're not paying attention to who they are. So how could they know so much about me? But I think people who have a real deep awareness of themselves can really point out some behaviors, point out some things about myself and, and share that with me so that I can grow and become a better person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. If there were one or two things that everyday people could do to help you accomplish your dreams and goals, we're talking Sally at the grocery store. Oh, would those one or two things be. Oh, well, Sally can just have a seat. She can sit down. And, <laughs> and what I mean, what I mean by that is just relax, just not run around and feel like you are in a constant state of panic and emergency and that you have to spend all of your energy doing something that you don't see a real clear goal to. And I say that because I believe that, like um, Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. So if there are people or people who are just more calm and intentional about what they were doing, how they're feeling and displaying that, then we'll have more people who are doing just the same. So a regular old person, any person could do that. And they could realize that they're looking for themselves. And I, as a coach, can probably help them find it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Sit down and relax. Just relax. Just have a seat. Yeah. There we go. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. And our first question is, what is your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. All right. My favorite um, movie came out recently. It's called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm. Have you seen this? I have not. I really thought you were about to say Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Everything, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I have to know, what made you think that I was going to say Top Top Gun? It was you know, I <laughs> I recently watched it. I thought it was a good movie. But oh, cool. more than that, I had two other people on the podcast probably last week or maybe the week before that who mentioned Top Gun Maverick. And so I just thought we were going to go for the trifecta of guests. Oh, well. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. I have not seen the first Top Gun, but I mean, the trailer for Maverick looked pretty good. But I have not seen the first Top Gun either. The movie was good. It was kind of a classic feel good movie. Like. It was a really good watch. Like I felt good leaving, but I wouldn't say it was like, "Ooh, I want to go back and see that." You know, mm. it was good. I got you. Yeah, so it's like that. Like everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once was a feel goodish, good movie to me. I mean, what the movie did for me is, if you're, not, I guess, if you're not familiar with the movie, it's all about um, a woman who jumps time quantum quantum jumps and jumps different time uh i, I don't know why i'm thinking time zones here but um does quantum quantum leaps and uh, they they jump different situations and they realize that they're able to do this and so they have a focus initially they have a focus on making sure that their taxes are are all together for the irs or for yeah for the so for the IRS and they do that 
And their focus is all about that. But in the grand scheme of things in the entire universe, their focus is on that. But there's something that is way more important. There's something that's so much more important than just focusing on the the tasks that they have to do for the IRS because they think they're going to get in big trouble for it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean as much as connection. That that's what I got out of the whole story. It doesn't mean as much as as being connected and knowing someone and showing mercy and showing understanding to another person. So that's what I really enjoyed about the movie. And at the end, I don't know how people have heard this and I, I appreciate some feedback about this, but at the end, my take on it was that it is only about understanding, how, demonstrating, I'm sorry, what I, I say is demonstrating that you understand how another person feels. That is how you make connection. That is how you show love. It's not that you hurt them. It's not that you hurt them and make them submit into what you believe, but it is that you understand based on their experiences, based on their thoughts, based on their feelings, that you know how they feel and yeah. you demonstrate that to them and boom, you have an instant connection and the world is harmonious. So that's why I really liked it. There we go. That was a good, um, good advertise. They should pay you for that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And what is one way you like to take care of yourself? Oh, I like to, um, oh man. So I either I'm thinking two things that pop into my head, but I think, oh, those are cliche, but play board games. I like to to have some fun and to connect with people. They also like to just um, relax because I sometimes I get caught up, swept up in the, the, I have to do something, I have to do something, I have to always, since I have my own company, I always have to be advertising, I always have to be creating something, but truthfully, I just need to relax. Yeah, I feel that. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet somebody like, I'm going to butcher his name again, Titch oh. Nathan, who can, who is so self-aware that they can reflect your blind spots to you? Well, since he has passed there, I can just say that I can wait <laughs> until it's my turn. Wait until it's my turn. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, now we have our final series of questions and they're going to require a bit of pretext. So stick with me here. Okay. So a lot of people have come on the podcast and they've said that the catalyst that helps people change from having a fixed mindset, not willing to accept help and not willing to accept change to having a growth mindset, being willing to accept help and being willing to accept change. The catalyst that helps people make that switch is a personal choice that happens after either extreme inspiration or extreme desperation. Do you agree with that? Disagree? Have anything to add or subtract? Oh yeah. Wow. That's really well said. I mean, inspiration or desperation is the the key like there's something in our lives that will motivate us to make a change we realize we can't do it any longer and desperation happened to be the thing for me desperation was like ah i'm at the bottom and i just can't make anything change for myself i have to try something different i have to do something different and so i think that it is uh, the desperation or inspiration that really will give you the self-look or the, the, the reflection, I guess, from the universe to say, hey, maybe you don't know the answer. Maybe somebody else does. And so you might want to look for it in a different way. You might want to ask someone, you might want to open a book, or you might want to just completely do something different. But that will 
get you to become curious the whatever experience that you've had if you are inspired to be curious or whether you're desperate and you just need to find another answer that curiosity kicks in and you start looking for something that's going to resolve your problem because whatever it is that inspiration brings right the focus the desperation brings it right the focus and you know what problem you're trying to solve instead of being confused about why life is happening the way it is yeah yeah i love that a lot and given that same amount of inspiration or desperation why do you think some people make the change and others don't i think that we do everything that benefits us that we feel that can benefit us so i've run into potential clients who will say hey i want to make a friendship and i want to make a connection and i'm like great this is what i've done here's what you can do and i give them a task but instead of perhaps doing the task they will explain to me why they were unable to accomplish the task and I'm like, well, if you're comfortable with explaining to me why you can't do it rather than just going to do it, then that's where you are in your situation. That's where you are in your life. And it's more beneficial. It feels more beneficial to you and maybe more connecting to have a conversation over why you can't do what, what really was going to make the connection with you. So what really is going to help you move further along. So I think it's just, it feels safer and more beneficial to do anything other than the really hard thing because they don't recognize what the really hard thing is going to do for them. Mm. So you're saying at a core level, so maybe they're saying I want connection at a surface level, but at a core level, they believe that the behaviors that lead to them not being connected is safer for them. Yes. It's safer. It's going to have greater benefit. Yep. It's, it's, gonna, it's familiar. It feels more comfortable. I know I've done it for years. I'm like, yeah, I can't do that because I find a problem X, Y, Z. And then I'll talk about the problem of X, Y, Z instead of actually making the effort to make that change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which kind of goes back to knowing yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And if I could share a story with you, just popped in my head really quick about that. We have time for that. Um, but as a friendship coach, I had to go through this process of the self-discovery myself. Like what the process is um, figuring out that you are hiding something and then finding that thing that you are hiding and then starting to share that with the world. And when you start to share that with the world, people are going to feel some kind of way about you. You're going to get feedback about that. So I didn't know the answers when I started doing this though. I was um, in therapy, was in counseling and I had a group counseling session and in the group counseling session, we were talking about how you could um, be more mindful or have a, a mindset of you're going to find the people that you want to connect with and you're going to make friends. And so I, I, I wanted to adopt that. And so one day in Chicago, this was after I transitioned, a couple of years after I transitioned, I was afraid to share my transgenderness with people. But I thought, well, I'm going to go to this club. I'm going to meet somebody and we're going to have a great conversation. So I do go to a comedy club strike up a nice conversation with a gentleman, super cool guy. And we talk and I lean the conversation towards LGBT stuff. And he mentioned that, well, he's never seen a trans person before. He doesn't understand the process, doesn't know why anybody would ever want to transition. And so I thought, no problem. I've got you. I'm going to open up. I'm going to share my truth. And you and I are going to be best friends because I'm going to be brave now. And so I do that, open up my, and I share my truth with him. I say, I'm trans and they he freezes, he stops talking, and he leaves. That felt terrible. That was awful. Yeah. 
in that situation, that was awful. And that is what I imagine that people who stay stuck feel that they're going to experience. And they may feel like that is going to be much worse than just not doing, not just like contemplating, wishing that they had friends instead of making the action, instead of facing that actual rejection. But for me, that actual rejection was absolutely devastating, yes. But all I learned is more about myself and how me and this other person, we just weren't meant to be friends at that time. It made way for me to find the kind of people that I really want in my life by talking about who I am and, and what I want and knowing more about myself. So that fear of that happening in real life to them is, it's too much to bear, it seems. But for me, and I think many other people who get through the other side, face that rejection and think of it as a redirection. Mm. So it's just it just feels safe not to do the hard thing, but in truth, they're kind of cheating themselves out of what they really want. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That was really good. You should write a book cool. about uh, rejection being redirection. <laughs> <laughs> I picked that up from somewhere. Yeah. But... Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, some people need a smaller amount of inspiration or desperation to change and others need a larger, more consistent amount. What do you think establishes that breaking point, that threshold, and can it be influenced? I think that, wow, that's a really great question too. Like, I think that um, what establishes that, that amount of desperation is clarity, is, is clarity around what they really want in life, inspiration or desperation. So if you're not really clear about what you're looking for, I think you can try the same thing over and over and over again, hoping that it's going to be on the other side of your trial of whatever you're doing. But if you're really clear that in the first, third, or fifth time that you've done this thing and it's not getting you closer to your goal, you switch, you do something else, you move right away and you're inspired or you're, you're like, well, this is it. I keep looking at uh, desperation more so because that seems to be like a lot of my story, desperation. Like I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being sick and tired, but I'm doing the same thing that I was doing before, but I'm also tired of being sick and tired. So, but I'm doing the same thing. So when do I get to a point where I'm tired of being sick and tired and not making the choice that's going to change it? What is it that I really want? Well, I want to be healthy and I want to be, I want to breathe better. So that is more so a goal that's more defined than saying I'm tired of being sick and tired. I want to be healthy and I, I want to breathe better. So I'm going to quit smoking. And so you defined by that, that goal, you're like, well, I know smoking is not helping me. So I need to cut that out. I need to do the thing that is going to get me closer to the goal. That's more defined. Yeah. Yeah. Clarity. Dude, clarity is like, <laughs> it's just so key. Mm -hmm. It is so key. And the extent to which you're clear, it like makes things happen so much faster. Absolutely. Much like you said, like people who are more clear need less desperation or inspiration to pivot. That's because they're clear on what they want. And exactly. It's, it's amazing. And you get that clarity when you know yourself more, when you've had experiences and you're being mindful of your experiences. Like, I know I like this, so I want to continue doing, I want to have my life to be this way. I, not because somebody told me, 
is because this is what I want. Yeah. And we got one last question for you. All right. So in Atomic Habits by James Clear, he talks about the four laws of changing your behavior. And the laws are make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. With that context in mind, you know, I kind of mess up the question, but I'm keep going. With that context in mind, and keep in mind a person who has a really fixed mindset, they're not willing to accept help, they're not willing to accept change. How can we create an environment for that person that makes it obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying for them to make the choice that will change their life? Wow, that's really interesting. That's a tough question too, because I'm like, well, if you got a fixed mindset, I'm, I'm having difficulty putting myself back into that. So I'm imagining myself with a fixed mindset and I, oh, I got it. Because I remember a story that the story popped into my head. I was drinking a whole lot and um, my coworkers knew that I was, I'm an alcoholic. Um, I would say that, but it's not, I, I say it as a continuing thing because I think that once you, once you identify with that, maybe people out there will disagree, but it is a thing that you do, even though I can have a drink or two and not want to continue. I made it political. I made it weird. (laughs) I made it weird. Well, let's just say I used to drink a whole lot, like, especially in California, I was going to karaoke. I shut down the bars and I, I get at three o'clock and have to be at work at, at six. And so I'd be coming in and people would smell alcohol with me, but I, I thought I was being cool. I thought I didn't, nobody knew, you know, I just come in feeling kind of tired these days. And so people knew, um, but no one really said anything to me. But there was a coworker that I really, really connected very well with. And we would talk all the time. And he was just the, the most interesting person to me. He had different insights and he seemed to accept me and accept, accept my ideas. And we could kind of debate and, and all kinds of stuff. We never talked about alcohol. So there's one time where we were smoking together on the, on the smoking porch for, for smokers, right? And he had just offhandedly mentioned drinking problem in my direction. And that was the only time I considered that I might have a drinking problem. No one else could absolutely say that to me in my face. Nobody could say it to me. I'm like, nah, I'm cool. I do whatever I want. I'm great. I'm fine. But it was that offhanded comment by a person that I trusted and cared about and thought saw me for who I was. He said something offhanded to me and I was just like, huh, I wonder. And that's when I started to even consider the idea. Nobody could say anything to me directly. And I I share that story with you because, well, the way to make it attractive and interesting change to another person is to first recognize that they are who they are and let them understand that they're fine just the way they are. It's only if they want to make a change that there's an opportunity to do so. Before anybody could share with me what they saw or what they noticed or what they thought I could change, they first had to let me know that they saw me for me. And I think that's the key, understanding, making that connections. Brother, I see you for who you are. I know that you have struggles. I know that you feel fine the way you are or everything in your life is, I see that. And I want you to know that everything is okay. Yeah. And that's it. And that makes that connection for the trust and the information 
of the awareness that you have that they don't to go across. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is, um, I think that's the key of like the foundation of like human relationships, right? Like Mm -hmm. sure people back to that word, understanding, feel understood. They feel seen, they feel heard and then accepted after you understand them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if, if I could say a little more, I just, (laughs) okay. I wouldn't be mindful of the time because I I talk so much, but (laughs) when I, when I try and have, when I have conversations with people, I think that the key to connection, it comes in three well, when you're having conversation, you you share the data, the information about your day, and then you share how you feel about that. And then there's the validation that really makes the connection is that you understand, you demonstrate based on everything that they've said, the data and the feeling that they are right. They're justified in how they feel. So even if you don't agree, this is where the thing, this is where the understanding is not it's not agreement, it's understanding. Even if you don't agree with what they say, even if you don't feel the same way, you reflect back their feelings. They had a crappy day at work because of X, Y, Z, their boss is terrible, their coworkers are annoying and whatever. Yes, of course you had a terrible day at work. It's your, your boss is always getting on your nerves. Of course you'd be frustrated. Letting them know exactly how they feel is correct based on everything that they've said to you. It's not negating them. And that's how you make your connection. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's wonderful. I read a book by Chris Voss, uh, Never Split the Difference. And yeah. he's, a, he's a little weird about it. He calls it tactical empathy. <laughs> um, but <laughs> because he was an FBI agent, he was negotiating with people who kidnapped people. And so he, he really didn't feel empathetic for them. But he needed to make them feel understood. Mm-hmm. Once he did, they would basically do anything he asked them to do which was yep. really crazy when i i actually want to reread that book it's been some years but the concept and it's very simple stuff like mirroring or like like you literally just affirm what they say it's like i had a crappy day at work of course you had a crappy day at work literally that right there will make somebody feel understood and it mm-hmm. kind of breaks down those walls and then you can start to influence um, how you how you please you shouldn't manipulate people but that book <laughs> gives you tools to be intentional let's go yes <laughs> exactly we're gonna have disclaimers for this podcast <laughs> this episode <laughs> absolutely absolutely well awesome is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off anything else um no honestly i had a really great time talking to you and it was really informative. You read a lot of books and your conversation is really great. Like I like the questions that you asked. Thank you. Thank you. I thought about them a lot and I care about the core of humanity and I try to capture kind of the core or what I think is the core, at least I'm naive and 23, but <laughs> um, <laughs> try to capture what I think is the core and kind of the questions I really have about really myself. Cause it's a big, like, especially this final section of questions. I um, have huge goals and part of those goals is going to be encountering people who really um, have that fixed mindset and then getting them to like know that their life can be better and believe it and then go after it if they want. And if they don't want, loving them where they're at and creating systems and for that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I ask these questions. But thank you for coming on the show, Coach Lee. All right. Thank you for having me. Of course. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Coach Lee had to say, how should they reach out to you? How should they hear more 
about who you are and what you do? Oh, yeah, this is the best question. <laughs> you can find me at patternsofpossibility.com. There I have a 10 tips for memorable conversations, as well as a five-day friendship challenge. And you can find me on all social media at Patterns of Possibility. There we go. And all of that will be in the show notes. As we always ask, guys, shoot this podcast over to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Go ahead and give us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.